Welcome, everybody, to the third week of this year's Women of Fantasy football event. I'm Joshua Hudson with Club Fantasy's No Punt Intended. We've got a monstrous show today. Uh, if you don't know who these women are that we're, we're bringing on today, I don't know what to do for you. But we have ESPN's Stefania Bell, Fox, uh, NFL and Fox reporter Laura Oakman coming on with us. We're going to talk all things football, how they got started in their careers, where they're going. And we're announcing the winners of our signed Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Taylor jerseys. Stay tuned. Good evening, everybody, and welcome again, like Josh just said, to No Pun Intended, presented by Club Fantasy, um, week three of Women of Fantasy Football. And if you have either been watching Club Fantasy or No Pun Intended for a while, or our Women of Fantasy Football shows, two things look a little different to you right now. One, if you watch No Pun Intended, the boys are gone and the women have taken over for the month. And two, if you've been watching our Women of Fantasy Football shows, you will notice that stepmom Lauren is missing. She was feeling a little under the weather and decided that it was better for her to just relax and heal. So, Lauren, we miss you. We love you. We wish you were here. But, Stefania Bell, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's so exciting to have you here. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. I, I, perhaps you can hear that squeaking in the background. Rico. <laughs> has made his presence known, my dog Rita. He's <laughs> squeezing a football. This is a stuffed yes. football. So I think he's actually trying to make a relevant point, but I don't know what it is. So I apologize that there's going to be some intermittent um, squeaks probably happening. Oh, my goodness. It's, <laughs> it's, it's always so right fun. when we start these things. Oh, of course. So, you know. Absolutely. Um, if it, I'll, I'll take it away from him if it gets too obnoxious, but uh, I do I do apologize. I think he's just mad because, you know, it's football season and I'm kind of busy, so he doesn't get much time to play with me. And I think he's resorted to picking up this stuff, football, thinking maybe that will be the thing that gets me back. So Negative um, attention is better than none at all. <laughs> That's right. Um, and uh, Lauren, I, shout out to Lauren, stepmom Lauren. I hope that mm -hmm. she feels better soon. I'm sorry not to see her on the show, but, um, you know, take care and get better. And we'll see you soon. Yes. What kind of dog is Rico? Because I know the people want to know. <laughs> Rico is a rescue. So we don't know exactly what he is. He is, um, there's an organization that rescues street dogs from Puerto Rico, and that's where oh, he's wow. from. So he was found on the street when he was about four months old looking for food with his little brother. And uh, I don't know what happened to his brother because he was, when he mm -hmm. came through the organization, he was brought up solo. Um, they named him Rico. So I thought it was appropriate and I let it stick. I adopted him when he was seven months old and uh, he just turned two. Although we haven't celebrated his birthday yet, but that's coming. He has a big box from Chewy, but I've been on the road, so we haven't been able to celebrate mm. yet. That's probably why he's also mad, because he knows <laughs> it's his birthday, and he's like, excuse me, Mom, where are my presents? I know. He, like, I deserve sleepy. all the things. He gets presents <laughs> on the regular, um, and he, you know, he had a little, he had a, he had a bout with heartworm. It was very difficult for six months. Um, Oof. 
something they think he probably contracted as a baby in Puerto Rico. And the treatment is very tough, but he's through it and he's better. And so he got spoiled a lot by people who cared um, <laughs> to send him gifts and, and kind of wish him well. And I appreciate that. But now he's just all about playing. He's living his best life, living yeah, it up is. in Connecticut. <laughs> yeah, I know. He has no idea how much better Connecticut is than Puerto Rico for him. <laughs> in his case, Connecticut's better than a lot of places. I Everyone have asks my me if he's bilingual, and I'm like, I believe that he is. So <laughs> He barks in two languages. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, tell us about your journey. How did you go from working as a physical therapist to – transitioning to working at ESPN with all of that knowledge? Uh, it's um, it's a long story. So I'll try and give you sort of the Reader's Digest version. I've got it. I've got it down somewhat to a science. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think it really came from fantasy football is where it came from. And yes, um, obviously the background um, in physical therapy. I worked in orthopedics and sports for years. And by the time I transitioned full time to ESPN, I'd probably been working as a PT in that arena for about 20 years. So uh, a lot of experience with athletes recovering from various injuries, a lot of the injuries that we see. Um, I worked with D1 athletes um, when I was at KU. I worked um, with youth athletes when I was in California. So I've run the gamut from youth all the way up to professional. And, um, you know, when, just like you're explaining things to your patients all the time, because PTs, one of the things about being a PT is you mm -hmm. tend to spend a lot more time with your patients than a lot of the other um, healthcare providers that they might see. Because when they come in to rehab for an injury, they're coming in a couple of times a week for multiple weeks, especially if it's something um, long-term like an ACL. And so uh, you're answering their questions over and over about, you know, what, how long is it going to take to get back and what can they expect, et cetera. So I got used to having to go through explanations for uh, lay people and they were the patients and, and they always wanted comparisons. And one of the things you find is a lot of these um, athletes who are recovering, they look to stories of other athletes. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. About <laughs> no, it's fine. Easy. Um, but they look they to other athletes and they, they would identify with the pros. They'd be like, oh, so-and-so had this mm -hmm. injury. I, you know, it kind of would inspire them to get back. Mm -hmm. And then combine that with the fact that I was playing fantasy football and there wasn't much injury information at the time. I mean, you're talking a long time ago and not, not everything was on the internet. The internet was fairly new. And so people, you know, were still doing box scores with the newspaper. Mm -hmm. And even though fantasy drafts were starting to be online, there wasn't a lot of the available information like you see now. Um, and you could find out nothing about injuries. So if you knew what an injury was, maybe all you would know is that somebody sprained their MCL, but there would be nothing about it. And so a lot of people in my league would come to me and ask me questions about the injuries. What is it? What does it mean? How long is it going to be out? And it, that's what gave me the idea that, hey, maybe this is something that I could parlay into a part-time gig. I mean, that's what I thought initially. Mm -hmm. And as I started writing about it and talking about it, and I got little windows here and there on the internet, and then I joined Rotowire, and they gave me a more prominent place with their staff. I'll always be grateful to them, and wrote for the magazine and did Sirius XM Radio it just kind of caught on that this was this injury analysis was a thing. And about that time, Matthew Berry had just gone to ESPN and he and I had met at a couple of FSTA um, 
you know, trade meetings and it's FSGA now, but it was FSTA then. And, uh, you know, he thought I had a unique background. There weren't that many women who were playing fantasy football. There's certainly far more women now than there were at the time when I was starting. And he thought it would be a good fit for the department that he was trying to build. So I owe Matthew Berry a lot for bringing me in. And uh, it just kind of all started with us not knowing anything about what we were doing. I mean, we created a podcast um, the first year I was there, and it's now the longest running original podcast on ESPN, which wow. is amazing. Um, and we're so very grateful that it's still around. And um, we did, dabbled in this internet show called Fantasy Football Now, which came to you live on the internet every Sunday. And it got an Emmy for innovation in the sports Emmys. Um, wow. So that was like, after a year, I was like, wow, well, you know, if they get rid of me now, I can at least say we won an Emmy. Like that, you know, they can't take that away. So um, it was really cool to see how fantasy was treated by ESPN. And really it was through the vision of uh, one executive in particular who really saw that ES, um, fantasy had a place to grow and thought it would be a good fit for ESPN. And and eventually our show made it to TV. And now we've got a three-hour show on Sundays. And podcast is gone from just being this little audio podcast that you couldn't even, I didn't even know how to tell people what a podcast was because I didn't understand it. I was like, well, we're in this radio <laughs> studio and we record it like it's a radio show, but then it's edited, but then you have to go find it on the internet. And it was so like it, it, now podcasts, there's so many, right? It's, everybody's doing mm -hmm. them. And we didn't know what we were creating. And, and that was part of the beauty of it really was we had fun with it. And we just developed this loyal um, following, which has been awesome because now that we've been able to do these live shows, obviously with COVID, we haven't done them recently, but mm -hmm. through those live shows, we were able to um, get out and meet some of these people who'd been listening to us for years and uh, through their loyalty helped create this following that has really um, helped us build fantasy. I think not only for ESPN, but I think, the visibility that came from having fantasy featured on ESPN helped mm -hmm. establish fantasy football and fantasy sports in general as something that um, was to be taken seriously. And a lot of the other networks joined on. So long story short there, everybody, even if you don't know what you're doing, you too <laughs> could end up like Stefania Bell and Matthew Berry because as told by Stefania herself, they didn't know what they were doing when they started. So you too can start there. So I see Stepmom Lauren in the chat. And Stepmom Lauren has a question that she started with last year that she literally asks everybody. So in honor of her, what is your biggest pet peeve or the thing that annoys you the most about social media? Whether it's how <laughs> oh, a trend yes, or somehow how people react to something. One of our guests last year said choreographed dances. It can oh. be anything. Now, mine is more philosophical than that. I just think it's uh, 
it's the the negative aspect of it, right? I, I just don't have mm-hmm. room. In, and uh, so I, I used to really like agonize over blocks and I I agonize not at all anymore. <laughs> I just use that button um, as much as I want because I think that um, Twitter in particular to me is one of the most powerful because of the fact that um, one of the things I like about it is I can share things that I find. Uh, And really for me, that was had to do initially with the work of my colleagues. So if somebody wrote an article Mm -hmm. and I thought it was really good, I could immediately put it out there. And it might reach people who followed me who didn't necessarily follow the person that wrote it. And I thought that was really powerful. And for my particular line of work, what it helped me do was if there was something in the medical literature, which people might not normally see, and not everyone's going to sit down and read an article in the American Journal of Sports Medicine, but the abstracts are pretty accessible, usually, you know, Mm -hmm. to a degree. And if there was something where I thought, hey, this might be interesting to people who follow the show, because we're talking about, I don't know, high ankle sprains, and there's this article that's been published that shows X, Y, or Z is, you know, the amount of time average it takes to come back for NFL players from this. If I share it on Twitter, I can bring it to an audience that is never going to be otherwise looking at American Journal of Sports Medicine material. And you can actually expand information delivery that way. So I loved it for that. And then came the negative, which I never, I didn't anticipate. I didn't, I didn't, you know, we were all new to Twitter when we started. And I think the comfort of people to say and do things from a hidden space, um, when you know, you know, nine times out of 10, if they ran into you on the street, they would not say or do those things. Oh, absolutely. Even if they say they would, they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. They just wouldn't. Uh, although I don't know, lately it seems people are more confrontational. Maybe they would now, but for the most part, they wouldn't. And so, I felt like that was an unfortunate consequence of everybody having license to say whatever they wanted on social media because it does intimidate people from participating. And that's unfortunate because there's a lot of good exchange that can happen there. And, you know, we depend on it, obviously. It's it's part of branding. It's part of getting your product out. But I actually think it serves this bigger purpose of potentially lifting up other people who people might not know about, you know, just try and Mm -hmm. raise the profile a little bit or bringing um, information from one area of practice to another or one audience to a completely different one. And those are the things that I love about it. So to me, the thing that is my biggest pet peeve is that the negative stuff tends to dominate. And even when you develop a thicker skin and you're used to having to siphon that out, you know, it gets taxing after a while. It really does. So um, if I could eliminate, you know, I'm not talking about difference of opinions because I think Mm -hmm. civil discourse, I'm all about it. Like, I I think it's good to disagree and engage Mm -hmm. in positive ways. But if there's negative and name calling and that sort of, I'm just not into that at all. So Rico's decided he needs to go out. (laughs) What great timing. That's awesome. Rico has decided that he is over the negativity as well. Um, I agree with (laughs) healthy confrontation is necessary um, because everybody's going to have a different of opinions. But like you said, it's when somebody, somebody doesn't want to either defend their opinion or can't defend their opinion that they just resort to name calling or whatever. It's like, okay, you've 
legitimately lost all credibility. I don't, I don't even know what you said in the beginning. It could have been a great point, but from point A to point B, now the only thing that people are going to think about you is what they most recently saw, which was your negativity, your, your snarkiness, your reply. And so it's just not, if you're trying to build your brand, it's not a good way for people to remember you. You want them to remember, remember you for the good reasons, for your knowledge, for your positivity. But it's, it's kind of like that whole one bad apple spoils the bunch thing. One tweet in three months worth of work can destroy you. Yeah. And I think, you know, and that's, that's also the part that's too bad about it. You know, I, I've spoken mm -hmm. to a lot of uh, younger PTs who have asked me about getting into this space or, um, you know, how I deal with social media in particular. And I just said, you know, the thing that's hard and, and I didn't get into this media business till I was, you know, halfway through my career life. And so uh, I came to it at a different point. I, I don't envy the people who come in younger. It, it's hard. I don't know if I'm just glad it wasn't around when I was that young. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the way I choose to engage with it is just to focus on things that are primarily positive, um, still have an opinion, but to focus on things that are primarily positive and tend to focus on the folks in my, you know, circle as it were on social media mm -hmm. who are willing to engage that way as well. And I mean, I think it's important for people to remember that you and I can disagree on something and it's okay to disagree agree to disagree and move on. Not everything needs to be an argument about why I'm right and you're wrong or vice versa. Like, it's if okay. If anybody watches our podcast, they would understand or listen to our <laughs> podcast. It feels weird to say watch it because it's a podcast. Uh -huh. It's primarily an audio platform, but now ours is a video platform as well. So anybody who watches or listens to our show <laughs> will know that we have healthy disagreements all the time. <laughs> all the time. And I, and, but you know, to, to that end, I think it's constructive because mm -hmm. it would be boring if we always agreed on things oh, agreed. about what we believe. So it's okay to have those disagreements and to be able, and I think, you know, it's good to be able to defend your case. You know, if you can't defend mm -hmm. it, then maybe your point isn't that great to begin with. And we do this to each other all the time, but I think one of the things we try to do is to circle back within the banter and there's laughter and people know that mm -hmm. we have this great affection for each other on the show, the four of us, me, Field, Daniel, and Matthew, but mm -hmm. we will have healthy disagreements all the time. And we have our biases. I'm a uh, Homer for the 49ers. Daniel's insane about the lions. Matthew knows nothing but good things. About <laughs> and Field's the only one who doesn't have a team that he's loyal to. And that's only because he worked in a front office and, you know, he mm -hmm. learned to shed that a long time ago. So I do think that, um, you know, we, we have our, our arguments, but I think they're, they're fun and they're part of the show and kind of gets people. We, that's what, how we build the polls, you know, mm -hmm. um, that we do. And people take sides a lot of times just based on who they want to stick up for. I mean, they're non-scientific mm -hmm. and funny, but I think, Hopefully, we are a good example of how you can do that, and it doesn't have to be the end of the world, and it doesn't have to resort to, you know, going down a, a rabbit hole that is negative. Agreed. So, speaking of social media, and I saw your tweet about this earlier, 
Let's address the elephant in the room that is the milk crate challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's so, there to say? It's the dumbest challenge. I, it, I'm like, you know. It is, I it is the dumbest. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a hypothetical question. In your expertise, your experience, your knowledge, let's say, what is the worst injury that a person could possibly have? by being stupid besides being stupid. <laughs> I don't know, because I used to think that we, we, you know, we talk about it when we were back working in the, in the clinic and you'd think you'd seen the dumbest thing. And then you come <laughs> to work the next day and there'd be something else to take its place. Something top. Yeah. I, I just think it's human nature to sort of want to try things, even though people have a good idea, like, Hey, maybe, maybe this isn't the smartest thing to do, but they want to try it anyway. Um, you can get into actually a, a whole science that exists about people mm -hmm. who are more of the daredevil type when you get into really like, why are there certain people who are willing to do things that, that like, why do we have the X games? Cause there are people who really oh, yeah. love the adrenaline of some of these um, events or sports um, that are, that most of us would never dare to do. Right. Cause we have mm -hmm. something in our gen that says that's not safe for me. I'm not going to mm -hmm. do it. But, and then there are other people who, and I think that's why we're drawn to it, right. As spectators, because we want to watch and that, that sort of leads to why these challenges like this milk crate challenge become mm -hmm. viral because everybody wants to watch other mm -hmm. people do it and then see what their catastrophe is, even though most of us would never do it because we would know, hey, there's a good chance that yeah. I that. And there's a good chance that the consequence of failure will lead to something that I don't want, like an injury. Mm -hmm. um, but we still want to look. You know, we oh, can't for sure. really avoid it. We want to look. The problem mm -hmm. I have with, with that one is it's just because my instinct is as a PT is the same reason why when I walk down the street, I'm in an airport. I'm always looking at people. <laughs> I'm always looking at how people are walking. And my mind starts thinking of like, oh, that person probably has an arthritic hip and they probably got it from this. And oh, I wonder if they played football and they did. Like, it just happens. That's mm -hmm. what happens. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I think that um, instinctively I look at the milk crates and I'm like, this is going to, like, you can just see, especially the way they give way, like mm -hmm. that's an ACL. They're going to break an ankle. Some of these guys that where they set up the crates, they're around all these other hazards. And I'm like, they're going to get a head injury. And you start working and worrying about the more serious injuries. If they mm -hmm. fall wrong and they land on their head or neck, do they end up with a fractured vertebrae and a, and a spinal cord injury? I mean, all jokes aside, how, how awful would it be if somebody did milk crate challenge and ended up with a spinal cord injury and ended up with mm -hmm. wheelchair the rest of their life because of the way they landed on their head? Uh, or if they ended up with a traumatic brain injury Mm -hmm. And they were not right. And, you know, the people on the flip side can say, yeah, well, you know, then if, you know, you could step off the curb and get hit by a bus and that could happen. Yes, you could, but that's far less likely to happen versus actually choosing to set mm -hmm. up the crates and do something where you have very low chance of success. So if they were all set up on a bunch of foam mats in a gym, I don't know that I'd feel that badly about it. Mm -hmm. But um, the ones I've seen, that has not been the case. And, you know, let's be honest, too. It is a time where in, in some parts of the country, emergency rooms are basically overflowing. Mm 
You know, there's a real life pandemic going on. And I, I have friends who, you know, I, I stay in touch with many of my medical friends. And they, even people who work in orthopedics in some areas of the country, when um, the, where the COVID-19 cases are elevated, they're being called to work on COVID floors because the, the staffing is so shorthanded. And so what that means is for everybody else who comes in to the ER, there might not be somebody to see you or take care of you right away. You might not be mm -hmm. able to. And so not to get all serious on that, but I can't help it. I am a healthcare provider. I have been mm -hmm. for many, many years. And so those things are very close to my heart. And I, I think about that when I see things like that uh, happening, I start thinking about all the potential consequences and, it's just part of my DNA. I, I get it. I, if you do something, you work in something, you're just inherently and instinctively paying attention to that or looking at that. It's just second nature. Um, we're going to address this question quickly because you just went into depth about it. But our friend of the show, John Helmkamp, has a question. What is more likely to get torn in the milk crate challenge, an ACL, an MCL, or your Achilles? Um, I'm going to say an MCL because he, I, everything I say, people are going off to the side, right? Mm -hmm. They're trying to balance and then their leg goes out and they, and, they, and they end up going off to the side. And that's an easy MCL injury. Um, Achilles probably not because they're not jumping. You know, if they were mm -hmm. jumping crates, maybe. But I think uh, MCL with an ACL and not that far behind. But actually, I, I don't think it's even those as much as it is like the ankle sprains or ankle fractures. People... It doesn't take that much if you land wrong. And and I think somebody said to me on a tweet today, like, because they were they were sort of coming back at me about the milk, my position on the milk crate challenge by saying, Well, I think people know they're gonna get hurt if they land awkwardly. And I'm like, Well, who is not landing awkwardly? Like exactly has control of how they're landing. It's not like mm -hmm. they can say, Okay, I'm gonna have like a, a gymnastics perfect landing here and stick it. They're falling. And so they don't have control. And if they hit the ground wrong or their foot rolls underneath mm -hmm. them, that's when they can have those serious foot and ankle injuries or a head injury if they hit the if they hit their head too hard. I watched one. It was a community police officer just being part of the community got to about a third of the way up and they gave way and they, the way he, he like twisted, but then milk crates ended up under him. And oh, I'm like, yeah, bad. I'm like, <laughs> forget being internet famous. I don't want to get hurt. Cause You're right. Well, that's see, you fun. would be in the majority of the normal folk <laughs> who are, are having those thoughts before they actually try it. Um, but you know, Rico, listen, just so you know, he's now resorted to going to his toy bin and pulling out something that is lighter and sweetier to try and because he has not succeeded with the football. So I, again, I apologize. We are on. It's like having a so fine. Rico, come here. He's like just. I, I don't even know what to say. He's just a good boy. Okay, how about you stay here for a minute? He just wants to go get a toy uh -huh. and then. It and then Mom, shake play. it. Yeah, play with me. So I apologize to everybody who's watching who has no interest in, in what is going on here under the table with the dog. But they <laughs> they will they will get over it. They are <laughs> just fine. If they have a problem with Rico, they got a problem with me. Okay. <laughs> so since you are hands down above and 
everybody's the most famous <laughs> injury uh, expert, as it would be, um, that we've ever had on women fantasy football, or no pun intended for that matter, we would be doing everybody watching and or listening a disservice if we didn't ask you at least one injury question. So, um, what is your look with your experience, your knowledge on ETN on his look? How, okay. So I keep wanting to call it a Lisa Frank injury. And so then I keep thinking of like neon green leopard prints with puppies and dolphins. Cause I'm a product of the eighties. So what, what is your outlook on his prognosis for this year and or next year? Well, I think, um, you know, this year's done for him. I mean, he's on, they, they placed him on injured reserve, season ending injured reserve. So we know that they've already made the decision, no matter what, that he's not coming back. But I think, um, and I said this on the podcast today, I don't think it's fair um, we're seeing some of these injuries happen to young players, Cam Akers, Terrace's Achilles, and people are like, oh, there goes his career. Um, Travis Etienne has, a, it's a Liss Frank injury, just <laughs> that is the pronunciation. Travis Etienne has a Liss Frank sprain, and people are like, oh, that's that's bad. That's really bad for a running And it start, and I try to put myself in the, because again, I come from a place where I used to rehab these guys, and mm -hmm. You know what the athletes are going through is devastating enough to have the injury. Um, but nobody ever got better and came back because they believed a bunch of people who said they never would. Mm -hmm. And so I think, um, again, and maybe it's my bias towards trying to be positive, but you can also still be realistic. Um, mm -hmm. there, there's I, I referenced a study in the American Journal of Sports Medicine that's a few, was published a few years ago that said, and it was NFL players specifically, and talked about 90% in that group that they looked at over a certain period of time who were able to return to play in the NFL. Now you can get into what performance metrics were and time to recover. The problem I have with that is seasonal calendars. In other words, when you get hurt in the year can greatly impact how much time, time it takes for you to recover. Travis Etienne mm -hmm. got hurt in August. It doesn't matter if he's ready in June, the next football season doesn't start until next September. So mm -hmm. when it's documented his return time, it will be 13 months. And that doesn't mean it would have been 13 months before he could mm -hmm. play, but if you put him in a study with a bunch of other players, he's gonna skew on the long end potentially because it'd be 13 months. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. some of those stats, when you look at, um, um, you know, these journal or publications that look at public record, basically what's available publicly, because you're not, you don't have access to um, these, these guys, uh, medical mm -hmm. records. Uh, they, they are going on timeframes that are influenced by a seasonal calendar. So I would say, take the time frame out of it. Um, but knowing that if all things, all other things were equal, it would be, you know, these are what we consider like six month plus injuries. So, you know, mm -hmm. there are guys who have come back. Um, there's an NFL player who came back at 12 weeks after this injury type of injury. It's not recommended, but it was situational, you know, and it was able to do it. But you take a rookie who's a running back who's got a long career ahead of him and by automatically shutting him down for this year, then there's no temptation to even mm -hmm. think about it. If Jacksonville should suddenly find himself in the place of, of being in a Super Bowl, they're not going to 
be looking to get ATN back. Um, but that said, it's a, it's a sprain of a significant ligament in the middle of the foot. And the, the, not all these injuries are created equal. So um, I had tweeted, like, it depends whether it's a stable or an unstable injury. And really that means, is there enough damage that you're getting um, what they call a diastasis or separation between some of the bones in the foot? Or um, is it stable and none of that is showing up? Um, if you're obviously getting displacement, then that's not a normal foot anymore. And then if you don't have stability in the foot, how are you going to be able to walk or run? It comes down to essentially mm -hmm. that basic argument. And so if you have an anatomic disruption of what that area of the foot should look like, you have to fix it. And so you put um, a screw in, sometimes it's a couple of screws, you allow it to scar down and heal. They sometimes take the hardware out later because it can be a little irritating in that part of the mm -hmm. foot. Uh, and then it's a matter of recovery to get back to football activity. So there's no reason he can't do great with this. And I would suggest that he will be back next year when the season starts. And it, sometimes it takes a while to get your top end speed back, but no reason he can't have a great career after this. Well, and you answered a question of mine because I was going to ask, what is a list Frank? Because <laughs> up until people started injuring them recently. I had never heard of that. Yeah. So well, where's in the it's foot a little is confusing. it? It's a little confusing because there's an area of the foot, like in the mm -hmm. middle. Of the foot. So it's the middle of the foot. And then there's an area of the foot that is basically described as the Lisfranc, you know, region. So you can have a sprain of any of these many tiny ligaments mm -hmm. and, and, and technically that qualifies. But when most people are referring to it with the type of injury that we're talking about here, it's disruption of this Lisfranc ligament, which is big, thick, strong ligament in the middle of the foot. That doesn't sound pleasant at all. No, it's not. <laughs> no. So since we are talking to women of fantasy football and we're charity is a big component of a lot of fantasy football leagues this, these days, um, you have the Scott Fish Bowl, you have Warrior Bowl, you have a bunch of things. And there is a charity league that you are part of, the Pros with Joes. So um, tell us a little bit more about that. Are Were you part of it last year? How did you get involved this year? And who are you playing for? I, I was. Thanks for asking. I was invited to join last year, and and, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, you're basically playing for a charity of your choice. Uh, my charity is donorschoose.org, and and I am a big fan of education. I was, I feel like um, everything that I've been able to do in my life has been the result of be, uh, benefiting from good education. And so, um, things like early childhood literacy and and having access to the proper tools in classrooms is super important to me. So. Um, for people who aren't familiar with Donors Choose, it's really cool because teachers from all, you know, and you can pick from anywhere in the country, uh, different classrooms, teachers have projects or mm -hmm. needs for their classroom that they're uh, trying to get funds for. Because we all know teachers don't have enough money to pay for all the tools that they need. And, and many of these teachers are working in underserved um, or disadvantaged communities and they're spending out of their own pocket to put these things together. So they come up with a project and a budget and you can actually see your money go to pay for a particular 
project. Um, mm -hmm. And I think there's something very gratifying about that too. You'll get notes back from the teacher, sometimes from the students. We get notes that say, this is what we did. And you see the picture. So you can actually see your money at work. And I love I the love fact that. that they will take anywhere from a dollar, a dollar. So no donation is too small because $1 mm -hmm. could go towards a project. And, and because it's budgeted out, you know exactly how much is, is needed for each project. So that that's the charity. Um, I was partnered, you know, they call it Pros with Joe. So they take somebody who's in the fantasy football mm -hmm. industry and somebody else who has um, bid to partner with you. Mm -hmm. And I played with a gal named Rachel last year and we drafted Christian McCaffrey first overall. And so that Ooh. was not a, a fortunate start for us. However, mm. We still made it all the way um, to the playoffs, and and we had a good run. And she was awesome. I mean, she was a really really good player. So nice. Um, it was a lot of fun, and um, we had fun doing it along the way. And so I, I think it's great. It's a it's a cool concept, and uh, like I said, it, it, everything's for a good cause, and it gives people a chance to play with their favorite fantasy football analysts. That is fantastic. So I'm going to ask you one more time to give the name of that charity just so people can go do more research and hopefully get involved because I love it. And it sounds amazing. Yeah. It's donorschoose.org. And actually, if you go to my Twitter feed, you can see, cause I tweeted about the pros with Joe's um, event uh, earlier today and you can go, there's a link there that goes to my page. Um, so if you're putting a bid in that will take you to where you can learn more about the site as well. That is fantastic. Stefania. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you. I have seen you all over Twitter. I know that so many people look up to you, not only for your knowledge, but just the fact that you are great at what you do. Um, and I know a lot of women look up to you as well because you can hold your own with the boys. Um, I mean, <laughs> you name dropped Matthew and Field earlier. Like, yeah, those guys. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Let everybody know where they can find you. Um, yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. Um, I love seeing more and more women in this space. So uh, it's really important to me. I love that you guys take over this for a week and you're bringing on all these different women. Um, you know, Laura, who's who, who, who you're having up next is like, I am a fan of hers. We've never actually met, but I think she's amazing. And she does so much to elevate uh, women who are entering the journalism field. So mm -hmm. um, again, I'm really appreciative of all the women who are, are getting involved in this space, whether it's sports or fantasy football or, or any uh, gaming, what have you. Um, you can find me at Stefania underscore ESPN on Twitter, Stefania Bell on Instagram, and you know, pretty much all over the ESPN during the football season. All over, everywhere during football season. Do you ever sleep during football season? Uh, not as much as I'd like. I was actually, I actually look ahead some days and go, which <laughs> night is the night that I can go to bed early? So, um, you know, but it's like, it's it's great. I wouldn't trade it. We're always super excited when the season starts and super glad when it ends. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but like, how lucky am I to get to do what mm -hmm. I do for a living? So I wouldn't trade it. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And we will look forward to watching you and listening to you as the season gets underway. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye. So.
I was just getting I... ready to call you. It's like Beetlejuice, <laughs> but I don't I need to call you. Knew that, so. <laughs> yeah, that was me. Oh, I have both of you now. How yeah, lucky jo- am I? Listen, Josh on the production end is a C plus at best. So I had to, I, I had was to waiting in. for Listen, to call ex- me in because that's how this show goes, Joe. I was getting ready to call you in. Joe, Stefania literally just talked about staying positive and you come in with the negative. Did you listen to nothing? I no, I, I, I agree. And I find it funny that you talked about healthy arguments and stuff that Stefania <laughs> says she has healthy arguments. With her, with Matthew with her, and Field, with Matthew and Field, not Matthew Barry or Field Yates, no. Matthew and Field Matthew specifically. And, um, and I said in our show chat behind the scenes, I said Josh and I only have unhealthy agreements. So gotta go on I, a diet soon. Thanks for that, Joe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love, I loved everything she had to say. I think everything was just perfectly said, and just listening backstage was incredible. Great job, Faith. And now, Thanks. jerseys. Jersey. Jersey. Yes, plural. All right, let's well, get these away really quick because I know Laura is here and I That's don't know. That's what I said. Are we doing both now? Yes, we are going okay. to do both of them now. And we're going to start with which one am I on? Perfect. The Jonathan Taylor jersey. Oh. Which John I happen Humcamp to wants... have. John oh, Humcamp wants to know who's that go. dude with all the gel. Oh, that that would be me. Yeah, that's Josh. I, I happen to, I gotta look pretty sometimes. It's okay. John, right. I'll tell you. We're giving away a Jonathan Taylor signed jersey, and we've Speaking got a whole bunch Camp. of people. <laughs> yeah, right. So this week we raised five hundred and fifty dollars for the Women's Sports Foundation. So thank you all so much for uh, buying these raffle tickets, so I can uh, give away all of this uh fun merchandise and we've got a couple more lined up for next week so it's gonna be fun so all right we are going to spin the wheel and good luck to everybody that donated i see john's name on there and i'm kind of excited for him (laughs) i know right john being the john would be excited for john too wow yet another another double winner winner. oh my gosh Dennis happened to have won the Devontae Adams signed last jersey week. last week. Yeah. Wow. And now he gets a signed Jonathan Taylor jersey. So congratulations, Dennis. All wow. right. Now. And he's donated a lot, too. So not even just congratulations has, yes. on the jersey. Just that congratulate has, yes. and thank you for obviously yes. donating all of that. Thank you. All right. Next, we have... 101 of last year. Yeah. The 101 for the next six years of of NFL football. You got it. Run CMC. There you go. Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, you know me. Sign jersey. He's holding it. It's very blue. It's a blue evening. Oh, it's pretty, too. It's pretty. I I love the blue Panthers. That's. I'm very mad that I don't get to keep this for myself. It's very. It's all for charity, Josh. I know it's for charity. I can still be somewhat disappointed. Let's see. Who wins it? Roger Salazar. Congratulations. Congratulations, Roger. Have yourself a Christian McCaffrey jersey. Woo. Awesome. All right, cool. We're going to duck out of here. And Faith, we're going to bring on this next guest. And I'm just going to say right now, since she's listening, Laura, thank you so much for joining us (laughs) and taking the time to be here with us. So, <laughs> uh, 
Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. We can hear you now. Hi. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Laura? Like the wheel was turning of host. Hi. <laughs> nice to see you all. Hi, babe. Nice to see you too. Thank you so much for joining us. And I have to address the dog over your shoulder because that is adorable. I was making sure it wasn't one of my real dogs, but yeah. So even if I mean, they are not here, they are here. <laughs> Stefania was just, Stefania Bell was just on with us and her yeah. dog made his presence known. So your dogs would be more than welcome. It's, they're good. We're friendly. We're friends of dogs here. You're friends of dogs. Um, we're I know you are friends of, friends of women. Them. I'm happy friends of dogs too. My two favorite yes. things. And for real faith. So last year, obviously we were for um, the NFL on Fox and for mm -hmm. every network, we weren't meeting with NFL teams in the facilities. So every week we would have our conversations by Zoom with coaches mm -hmm. and players and so every week we do this every every Friday, every Saturday, and or every Thursday, and without exaggeration, right here, my two one hundred pound each dogs would fight, yeah. and they would wait till the zooms. They would wait till the head coach came on, and I would sit like this and try to cover them. And I mean, I would be going like this, trying to play it cool. And every time the coaches and players would be like, what is happening? Like, that's intense. So there is a good chance you will see two very, um, very rambunctious dogs popping up. Okay, well, I asked the question of Stefania, so I'll ask it of you as well. What kind of dogs are they? Rhodesian Ridgebacks. Okay. They are bred in Africa to hunt lions. It's the only breed I've ever had, so I'm very partial to them. But mm -hmm. um, it's pretty cool. If you go, a lot of people don't know them in this country, but if mm -hmm. you go to South Africa, they're like labs. If you have land, oh, wow. you have a ridgeback to protect your land. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. They travel in packs. So they don't kill the lion. They don't attack the lion. But it's the one breed that is bred to um, keep like almost, um, they'll work in a pack and they'll tree the lion or they'll keep the lion at bay until the hunter gets there. So oh, wow. they're very brave and um, very athletic. And the cool thing is in the old days, what they were also bred for, the hunter would help them get the lions and then they would leave them at the huts to protect the women and children. So they are wonderful couch, lazy dogs. And that's my kind of dog. That's crazy. I mean, I've heard of them. I've seen them. They actually have um, a ridge going down their spine of like, but I never knew that they were bred to herd lions, basically, or keep yeah. lions at bay. That yes, is and crazy. They have exactly what you're saying. It almost looks like a mohawk. Both of mm -hmm. our guys, Booya and Cash, we're, we're Nashville, we're very Johnny Cash house. And they do not have ridge, ridges. Every oh. litter, there's just one or two that's born without them. So my husband and I are very partial to those guys. They're usually not the ones that are grabbed. So we love our ridges, ridge bed. Ridgeless Ridgebacks. I love it. So you are work for the NFL and Fox. You are a reporter. You get to do all of that cool stuff. We hear a lot about how aspiring journalists, as they're starting out, they end up traveling a lot and spending a small amount of time at different stations across the country. So what were some of your favorite stops on your life's journey of journalism? And what is maybe one of the most important life lessons you learned in that period of time? Oh my goodness. Um, what I would say is this sounds a little Ted Lasso, 
but it's very true. And it's very much at this age right now, I say this, every stop I've been on has been my favorite stop because even the ones that I counted down the days till I got out of there, they were probably the most important stops for me to sit and to listen and to learn. I started in Montgomery, Alabama at a small station there and was the first woman to be covering sports. So that was a big deal. And then I went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and then I was in Chicago. So for a Chicago girl, that's a pretty cool thing covering the Chicago Bulls second three P. So mm-hmm. that was, that was a life, that was a life lesson in a lot of ways. And then from there, I went to Atlanta where I worked for CNN sports for about seven years until that, until um, the network folded. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been in the Fox sports family ever since. So I've been here for a while and Truly, I would say when I was in Montgomery, when I was in Chattanooga, and even when I was in Chicago, I just couldn't wait to get to the next place, the next place, the next place. And the biggest lesson I learned through that in what I try to teach all the women, the young women that I mentor and coach is be where your feet are. And Mm -hmm. instead of worrying about the next place, let's just be at this place. And let's, let's wrap our arms around this because even though I was counting down the days till I left, I now find myself sharing all the good old days stories mm-hmm. with everybody and really realizing how wonderful and how important those years were to my life. I I love that because it's important to be present where you are. Nothing says that you can't dream about where you want to be or what you want to do in the next five, 10 years, but it's, it's important to be present and to be content where you are because if you are miserable and are just like, I, I can't wait to get out of here. I want to go to the next place. It's going to reflect in your work. And people will tend to notice that you just aren't as happy. And it's, again, nothing says that you can't say, this is where I am. I'm happy what I'm, I'm happy with this. I'm content. But sure, in five years, I'd like to be here or be there. That's, that's still being content and dreaming. And I love that every step um, that you've realized that every stop was your favorite at the time because it was always the next thing. And that's, I think that's a great lesson about being somebody, present. Someone gave me, in, in working in life, someone gave me great advice when I was very young in Montgomery, Alabama, and I wanted to get out and I was struggling. And I remember somebody saying to me, the two most important days on the job are your first and your last. And I needed to hear that because it would have been really easy for me at the end to be bitter, angry, and Mm -hmm. upset with people and bosses and situations and kind of, you know, left with the middle finger in the air, you know, Mm -hmm. going, I'm out of here, you know, on to the next place. But that really struck the chord with me. And that was really important to me. And I've taken that forever since then, which is, I don't care if it's the first day or the last day, I want to have the same professionalism. I want to have the same attitude. Mm -hmm. I want to have the same growth. I want to have, you know, I want to, I want to have the same energy and I don't want somebody to be able to tell if it's my first day, my 50th day, my 150th day or Mm -hmm. my last day. And sometimes, sometimes that's a push and sometimes that's a struggle, right? When you're, especially when you're, when you're running to the door, but it was really important. You don't know the people that you're with. I promise in the small, tiny business that we're in, eventually it all circles back. Eventually Mm -hmm. the people that you wait to leave show up again And I try to live my life and try to have built a career knowing that wherever I've been on my journey with people and if they come back into my life and someone says, what was it like working with Laura? I hope they all give the same answer. And 
it wouldn't matter if I was happy at that place or not. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't matter to me and it shouldn't matter to them, especially. So I work really hard on that. I still do. That's amazing. So you've come a long way from Mobile, from Chattanooga to the NFL on Fox. Um, what are some of your biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome? Um, how much time do we have? I, you know, <laughs> I think I'm sure every time you have women in male prevalent businesses mm -hmm. and, and that especially is sports um, and, you know, and very much football, but every sport, I think we all probably share the same story in terms of um, having to overcome doubters and naysayers and, and people who don't believe in you. And that's hard and challenging. But I, what I would say the biggest adversity I had to overcome and, and get through was not believing in myself and not, um, not giving myself a shot. Because I think at some point when you start out, you keep hearing people tell you you don't belong. And you mm -hmm. keep hearing people say, I don't care what you think. You don't know what you're talking about. And it's hard to not let those voices become your voice at some mm -hmm. point. So I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, I would say the biggest challenge for me all those years was making sure that I didn't lose confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. I could totally understand that because, I mean, Oh, Lauren says hi. So stepmom Lauren is my co-host usually, but she was feeling under the weather and so decided that it was best for her to just relax and take this time to just watch. So she sends her love. Um, oh, hi, was, hi, Lauren. I hope you feel better. She was so sad that she couldn't be here today. Um, I am too. I hope you feel better, Lauren. So you have interviewed a lot of people. You have had Zoom meetings with teams who watched your own personal dog fighting happening. Um, <laughs> who have been some of your favorite people to interview? Uh, I can never, ever do this one because <laughs> I mean this sincerely. Again, it's a little Pollyanna, but honest to God, it's the truth. My favorite interview is whichever one I'm in. You know, it's just whichever, who, right? My favorite conversation is just whichever one I'm in at that moment. And I really believe that because that way you hopefully make that person feel that mm -hmm. it's the most important interview you've done. And you want to make sure that you remember the trust that it mm -hmm. takes for someone to open up to you and for somebody to reveal a lot to you. And that takes time and that takes trust and that takes building a relationship. And so sometimes it might be somebody whose name that maybe everybody wouldn't know, but it took me mm -hmm. two years to get them comfortable enough to share their story. And mm -hmm. so, honest to God, I've, I've interviewed some pretty amazing people in 30 years in this business and in a whole lot of sports, not just football, but the Olympics and baseball and hockey and, you know, and NBA and, NBA and everything. But honestly, I couldn't make a list because if you asked me that during the season week 14 this year, I would tell you whoever I talked to that day would be my favorite. And I mean it. I really do. Mm -hmm. Oh, I believe it wholeheartedly. Um, so... I'm going to kind of shift your gears, but also go back to your statement earlier about women in ma male prevalent um, like groups, like sports or whatever, uh, broadcasting, whether it's journalism. Uh, you started an organization called Galvanize. So tell us a little bit more about it, what it is, what you do how it got started. Um, it, Gal and I started about, I mean, over a decade ago. And 
right now, you know, the beautiful thing about this time in life is you can join a whole lot of organizations for women and you can find um, find women supporting women. But I certainly didn't have that growing up in this business. And I really needed that. And mm-hmm. I didn't have any women mentors and I didn't have any women peers who I was connected to and who I was being helped by or helping. And so I got to an age that was a little bit more motherly than judgmental. And Mm -hmm. I started seeing all these great young women getting thrown into a business very quickly and high high up and higher up than I could have handled. Mm -hmm. And I started watching them getting chewed up and spit out pretty quickly. And that really got me worried for women in this industry. So I became really protective and said, what can I do to help? And that led to just... uh, taking four months to try to find 20 women who wanted to be in a conference room and and me answering the question, how can I help? What can I do? And Mm -hmm. over a decade later, we're over 4,000 women and we're every age, every stage. It started out probably mostly college women who all wanted to be on camera. Now we're 18 years old, old to almost 50 years old. And we are in every area of sports. And it's amazing. And so basically, I just I wanted to give them something I didn't have, which was a network of women. And it has grown in all these magical ways. And it's, you know, I don't have my own children, but it makes me feel like I have 4000 of them. Mm-hmm. So I hope what they get out of it is a sisterhood. I hope they get a mentor that they can trust and can help them navigate um, a, a tricky business. But I also hope that they get a sisterhood that they don't judge and they don't compare themselves to, but they truly support. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I think I, I, I know I would have killed for it. I, I would have killed for it. And yet I'm really glad I didn't have it because then I probably wouldn't have created it. You know, if I, if I didn't know how, how rare it was and how much it was needed. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's one of the things I'm most proud of in my life. I've, I've loved my career, you know, for three decades and I've always been really passionate about it, but Galvanize gave me a purpose to go along with it. And that really, for me, was the, the magic ingredient I was needing. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Um, it's, as they say, necessity is the mother of all invention. And so totally. there was something that you didn't have. And so you went out and created it. And I know that's not possible for everybody. And I think what you created is not only amazing, but needed then. And is regardless of how far we have come, it's still needed now. Because when you're alone or a minority in a large group um it's always great to have somebody that you can go to and talk to about the same thing. And whether it's, if you're talking about sports, you can have a conversation about your, per, like your experiences are like-minded. And then you know that I can feel alone sometimes, but I'm not alone. Right. And I think that's important anywhere for everybody to know that you're never alone, even though sometimes we may feel like it. It's really awesome. If if I could, I would, you know, hold up my phone right now. It's my phone is constantly just at random times in the day, it starts blowing up and I'll look down and I'll see my group me app just going crazy Mm -hmm. and be like, why do I have 52 messages? (laughs) And every boot camp that Galvanize does, there's a group me. So it starts Mm -hmm. off when I put all these women on, they don't know each other. It's very quiet. You know, that I've got to chime in all the time, Uh fire them well up. And then it can be a boot camp that that was together four years ago and suddenly somebody needs help or somebody needs advice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's loveliness where somebody will just get on and tell all the women, you know, I I got the job, you guys, and you just watch a thread erupt. But Mm -hmm. going back to what you said, Faith, 
it's more of somebody all of a sudden saying, I'm struggling right now. You know, this is my, my, my -hmm. latest rejection feels like the worst. And I I'm feeling like, I don't know if I should do this anymore. And does anyone have any advice? And you see the phone just start blowing up with everybody helping each other. And I I struggled a lot when I hit 40. That's when, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of when my second act started, I had a lot of work to do when I realized I had nothing to show for my life except a cool job. And it's Mm -hmm. a very cool job, but that doesn't mean I wasn't depressed and that I I needed help and all of that. But I never wanted to share that with anyone because I didn't want to seem ungrateful Mm -hmm. because I had a great job and everyone kept telling me that. So I didn't Mm -hmm. want to sound like I was complaining or that I didn't appreciate it, which of course I did. So, Mm -hmm. What makes me so proud of these women is they're able to talk to each other about that and nobody judges it and nobody's like, hey, but what about your job? It's mm-hmm. just, you know, hey, how can I help? What are you going through? And and like you said, it, that's not a sports thing. That's not, you know, mm-hmm. that's not, uh, it's not even a male prevalent thing. That's just every man and every woman needs that, mm-hmm. that safe group. And so again, one of the things I hope, you know, that's kind of the code word, if you say galvanize, just the women in the galvanized know that they can come with truth and they can be vulnerable mm-hmm. and they come in peace. And it's, it's pretty awesome. It's not pretty awesome. It's, it's incredibly awesome to be a part of it and in, in the mentorship way and in my coach way, but also in, in a motherly way, just to sit back and watch how they treat each other. I, you know, it's just, it's special. It's lovely. That's fantastic. So you mentioned your boot camps. Speaking of boot camps, um, you, for those who may not know, you through your boot camps, you work with a lot of sports teams to help women who aspire to have careers in sports, kind of like get a feel for it, get comfortable with it, all that stuff. Have you found any specific teams or any of that who are just a little more hesitant or are just like, no, we really don't want to do that? Um, and then on the flip side of that, do you have any teams that are like, yes, we love that and bring them all? We want them all. Yeah. So more of that, it's, it's funny. We're in the beginning when I had to pitch this to, um, Mm -hmm. to teams, it started off with me having relationships that I built for 30 years, you know? So it wasn't like I came up and introduced myself to a coach and said, Hey, I'd like to bring 25 women into your building. What can you, (laughs) you know, open the door. Uh So they had to trust me and had to, you know, know what I was doing. And in the beginning, I think it was a pitch. I think it was almost felt like a favor, you know, to do that, which, you know, which was fine. But after the first year, the teams very quickly were like, hey, we get out just as we get out of this just as much as you guys do, because it helps both sides. It's a lot with respect Mm -hmm. and empathy and trust and all the things the players and the reporters um, are working on. Mm -hmm. And so what's funny is, it's the same window every year. It's May and June that we do the NFL rookie boot camps. And in I, I can only do so many. You know, it's a two-day boot camp. Mm-hmm. You have this little tiny window and all the teams do it uh, in the same window. And so what's been really hard and awesome is before we even leave the boot camp that year, the team will say, put us back in for next year. Like we want to do it. this every year. So the Atlanta Falcons, the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, the Los Angeles Chargers, those three have been doing it for over five years straight, you know, some seven years. Um, Mm -hmm. The Dallas Cowboys have done two, the Buffalo Bills, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I hope I'm not forgetting anybody. But 
there's a list of teams who do it. And I've got a whole other list of teams who want to do it, but the windows are so short, I don't have mm -hmm. enough days. So that's the worst, most wonderful problem to have that Galvanize has been mm -hmm. so impactful for the teams that we have a wait list. And, and so I'm looking to change that this year and hopefully making it um, that we can do a lot more boot camps with teams, but it's awesome. And honestly, Faith, there hasn't been anybody that hasn't asked me about it or uh, reached out about it team-wise and who's passed. They either do mm -hmm. it or they say, can we be on the wait list to be the next one? So that is it's pretty amazing. That's fantastic. Um, so that kind of segues into my next question and it's going to be, it'll have an addendum. So you talked about looking into this, this next year and trying to increase your boot camps because you just didn't have enough uh, time. So is there anything aside for that? Um, aside from that, that's like next on the, the galvanized checklist, the to-do list, the big things coming. And is there, how can people watching who either want to get into journalism, either learn more about it to join, or for those of us who maybe getting into it isn't a thing, but we would love to support you. How, talk to all, all of that. That was a lot of stuff. I know. There's a lot of good stuff. Um, so <laughs> what I would say is, first of all, if you're not in journalism, does not matter. We really have so many women who are in PR, who are in marketing, who are on camera, off camera. We have agents, we have coaches, we have scouts. We have, I mean, we have just women in sports and we actually sometimes get women who don't know anything about sports, but they're like, this is awesome. Women in sports are cool. Can I hang in this group? So mm -hmm. they usually have the most fun out of everybody. They don't know who anybody is. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, if you are 18 years old to 50 years old, there's a place for you, which is what I, I love so much about Galvanize. Because again, I needed it at 22, but I also mm -hmm. needed it at 42. You know, mm -hmm. I would have really, I would have benefited from that. So if they want to get involved, all they need to do is go to my website, which is lauraoakman.com and go to the Galvanize page. And the email's right there, info at lauraoakman.com. And all they need to do is say, I'd like to be alerted for the next boot camps. And that's right now, that's what I have planned for um, is the next round of camps will be after the football season. But that being said, I've had some NHL teams reach out. I've had some other organizations reach out. So once in a while, all of a sudden, there'll be an October or November surprise. And as long as you follow Galvanize, that's where you'll find out. I usually do all my announcing mm -hmm. there um, to say, hey, we got a boot camp coming up. Send Here's the essay. Send it in. Send your email in today because we're going to fill up quickly. Mm -hmm. And hopefully this year, there'll be a few of those awesome surprises with some other organizations and other teams that are doing this now. And that's always fun. I always love to be like, all right, I didn't know we were going to do one with this NHL team or with, <laughs> or with USA Women's Hockey. And uh -huh. So those are, the, those are the awesome ones that kind of surprise me every once in a while. Well, I know that Stepmom Warren graduated from the University of Missouri School of Journalism, and she's a big uh, St. Louis Blues fan. So if you ever find a spot for the St. Louis Blues, I'm sure she would love to find her her way there. Um, um, I'm sorry, sure she volunteering would. you. <laughs> As a Jayhawk, I would say you had me oh. up until the Mizzou <laughs> Journalism School. And 
Uh, I actually am about to do a boot camp for <laughs> KU journalism for all the women oh, that's there. Cool. So yes, um, so I'm very excited about that. But absolutely, Lauren is in. If there's any St. Louis uh, St. Louis Blues um, boot camp, she's in. But what I would say to you, <laughs> what I would say to Lauren <laughs> and to you is that you guys are already galvanized. And so when people say, "Well, what can I do?" If, if it's not boot camp season, I'm like, oh, if you follow us and you just start looking at all the women that start going off on social media and that you support them and you retweet them and you tweet at them and you introduce yourself by a DM and just say, you know, hey, I'm Faith, you know, tell me about Galvanize or I want to be a part of Galvanize, mm -hmm. you'll get in the sisterhood like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, don't wait for a boot camp. If you reach out in that Galvanize orbit, it sucks you in pretty quickly and loves on you just as fast. I I love that. And speaking of Twitter and Stepmom Lauren, there's a question that Stepmom Lauren asks to all of our guests. And since she's not here to ask it in person, I am here to ask it for her. What is your biggest pet peeve or most annoying thing about social media? It can be uh, philosophical. It can be funny. One of our guests said choreographed dances last year. So... <laughs> anything you know i i answer this so differently if it was my pet peeves but it, it, i would answer it differently if it was mine but i go i go to defcon one pretty quickly when it comes to um horrible comments and misogynistic comments to my young women that kills me you know because again as i told you you know i struggled when i was mm -hmm. young i struggled with confidence and I did a lot of first things, which was very cool. And I was always told how cool it was, but that came with a whole lot of fear and mm -hmm. a whole lot of confidence issues. And I thank God every day I didn't have social media mm -hmm. because I don't know if my skin would have been thick enough then. And mm -hmm. so I know these young women so much and I know how hard they're working and I know their confidence needs building. And I know how much I try to help with that. And the sisters try to help with that. And then I watch somebody just tweet at them about, an, something with their appearance or something about mm -hmm. how, what they think about them or don't think about them. And, and boy, I go into mom mode really quickly, you know, and I've reached out to a few of the guys before. And, you know, when I hear that somebody's harassing them in any way, mm -hmm. um, I, 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 my claws come out really quickly <laughs> because hey, I just know how hard they're working on their confidence mm -hmm. and how they might get, 50 tweets saying lovely things with that one person who mm -hmm. says something cruel or that one person that says something mean. It just, it affects you and it gets in your head. And so I wouldn't mm -hmm. call it a pet peeve. I would call that just something that enrages me in, in Twitter and in life. Mm -hmm. I mean, rightly so. And like you said, especially for younger girls who are trying to get into something or even those of us like me who are in their mid thirties or even forties, whatever you can have, 50 people telling you how great you are, how awesome it is, how fantastic of a job you're doing. But for some reason, it's that one negative voice that always seems to be the loudest. Um, it always makes you second guess yourself, second guess your work. You think that you're killing it, but then this one little voice who, and it's usually somebody you don't know, some random internet stranger who just decided that he wanted to be all cool and macho and go after something ridiculous just because it makes him look cool. Yeah, it's, it's really true. And it's interesting. This isn't a gender thing. Cause I'm sure this is just a individual thing. 
some people like to be coached up differently, right? Some people mm -hmm. like, you know, get fired up in different ways. I'm one of those that I work best when I'm encouraged. I work best, mm -hmm. you know, when I love my boss, my producer, like, mm -hmm. you know, that I want to crush it for you. I'm not good with fear, intimidation or yeah. meanness. And so everybody's very different, but I know very, even my athletes, my women athletes tend to do better. They want, they want the truth. They want you to coach mm -hmm. them hard, but I don't know many women who do better by getting in their head and by telling mm -hmm. them, you know, by working their confidence over. Yeah. Now on the flip side, my best friend for 20 years was Stuart Scott and Stuart used to, this is before social media, but mm -hmm. Stuart had a, a drawer in his desk at ESPN in Bristol. And it was just a folder of the worst letters that you would read. And they were all racist and they were all horrible. And mm -hmm. I would always say to him, why do you keep those? Like it got me so upset when he would read them to me or when I saw him. And he always would say like, it was a great reminder to him about who he was. It was a great, it just, it, it helped him. It fueled him. And mm -hmm. we would always talk about that because I never understood that. I would always say to him that that doesn't fuel me that that puts me in a fetal position, mm -hmm. you know, so to read all the ugliness, it put me in a fetal position reading his. So mm -hmm. I think, I think everybody's really different how they handle it, but I, I know it's confidence. You know, now I know mm -hmm. I can read a tweet that's really awful mm -hmm. and I'll show it to my husband and he'll get angrier than I will. I'm just kind <laughs> of like, I want to show him to be like, uh -huh. See? like it never ends. You can be 50 years yeah. old and still get this BS. But, um, I, I'm better at it now because I know who I am. So I'm really confident mm -hmm. in what I do and who I am. And, and so for somebody who I don't know to tell me something that would affect the way I feel or the way, affect my day or the way I live, I can't even imagine giving them that power. But that took a lot of work that took mm -hmm. till I was 40 plus to get to that sweet spot. And so, yeah, that's, it's the hardest thing about social media. There's things I love about it, but boy, mm -hmm. that, that alone makes me just want to like delete, delete, delete that app. And like you said, it takes, it takes time. And a lot of times we know something in our head, like we know that that's baloney. They're just, maybe they're having a bad day that we know that we're doing, like, we know that we know that what they're saying isn't logically true. But sometimes our heart is just like, mm. but we're going to dwell on that for a second. We're just, we're just going to stay here for a minute. So it's, it's finding that balance and just, and honestly, it's also when somebody comes at you or you're feeling like that, it's great to have a group of people or even one person or a sisterhood to say, Hey, I feel like I'm killing it. But this one person came at me like, I'm not crazy here. And so I think it goes back to your four-year-old boot camp conversations where they're quiet. And then all of a sudden it's, Hey, I need help. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. And, fantastic. Yeah, and I'm telling you, we get that all the time. Somebody's saying like, you guys look at what I got today and they'll show this awful message. And for the next six hours, you'll see everybody just being like, Faith, you're a rock star. Like, Faith, you're magnificent. You know, you're a stud. You're beautiful. <laughs> it's just this, like, wave mm -hmm. of love. And and who doesn't need that? Like, who exactly. doesn't need that every day? But any day, pick a day when you're feeling mm -hmm. down. That's, people always think Galvanize is about being better on camera. And there's a part of that that happens. But 
It's more because by the end of day one, you feel so freaking good about yourself and about all the women around you. Mm -hmm. I could have them go climb up a tree. I could have them go jump off of a, you know, hundred foot pole and they would do Mm -hmm. it and they would do it with a plump, you know, like they Mm -hmm. rock it because they feel so good about themselves. So that's the secret sauce. It doesn't matter what people say about you. It doesn't matter what people think about you, but when you really have that confidence in who you are and what you do, Mm -hmm. that's the unstoppable stuff. Agreed. And that is a fantastic lesson. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for starting Galvanize. Thank you for enriching in the future of young women, middle-aged women, women of all ages, and just helping build confidence and courage and all of that stuff. Um, Where can we find you and where can we find Galvanize? One, I just made a face because I was like, if you called yourself middle age, I was going to go through that screen. <laughs> I just pulled you out of that. Uh, you are not. And not that not that middle age is old, but you are not. Um, they can follow me at Laura Oakman, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And my email is uh, info at LauraOakman.com if they want to get in touch with me, if they want to be a part of Galvanize. That's the best way to get me and to have patience with me because boy, sometimes as I'm getting ready for the football season, Mm -hmm. I'm not good about getting back to this email. So to have patience with me, but I would love, love, love to see a wave of magnificent women send emails after this wonderful interview that you just did. Laura, thank you so much for joining us. It was a delight. Uh, It was my delight. Thank uh, you. Good luck this season. Uh, I hope you get all of the rest that you need. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Have a good evening. That's a pro right there, Faith. And anybody mm-hmm. who says wishing you good rest and sleep <laughs> for the football season knows the grind. I appreciate you. Thanks to everybody for having me be on this wonderful show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, Josh and Joe. Josh and Joe. Josh and Joe. Hey, it's like Venus. <laughs> I said it three times when you came. I didn't, I didn't want to abruptly interrupt like last time I was <laughs> get yelled at by Josh. So I, I, I let him, I let him add me to the stream. That was show. awesome, by the way. What a good show. Thank that you. That was awesome. And so show. very, very insightful from two ladies that have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. I hope everybody got something out of that because mm-hmm. it was great. Definitely. I'm well just glad done. that okay. I got well to ask done. Lauren's questions in her presence. There you go. And I got Lauren a spot in a St. Louis Blues boot camp whenever it happens. Big time. There you go. Did you notice that she name dropped too? Her Did best she? friend was Stuart Scott. Yes. Oh. Yeah. I had a question queued up for, you know, in reference to Stuart Scott, because I know with, with Galvanize, Laura actually has a scholarship fund named after Stuart Scott. Mm. But I, I felt like kind of holding back because I wanted to make it more about her and, and less about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guys in their life. So, yeah. Well, she said, wait, maybe next time. Maybe, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Maybe All right, next we got some rifles next week. Excited. We do. Hey, Josh. What are we raffling off next week? <laughs> we got the big items this week. We've done tight ends, we've done wide receivers, we've done running backs. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Not on the docket. 
So wait, hold on. So does that mean next week is edge rushers? No, we, linebackers. Sorry, we, don't do, we don't defensive players. <laughs> it's quarterbacks, y'all. It's quarterback week. Discrimination against IDP, I, and, okay and I will not stand for it. <laughs> next year it'll be it all. Is quarterback week as we head in to week four, the final week of women of fantasy football, and I have a couple really really big time jerseys that we're raffling off and mind you these raffles are currently live and we already have our first 50 dollars that have come in oh snap of one kelly singh you can find her at kelly in phoenix on twitter and she is an absolute gem of a human being Mm -hmm. i love her to death and you should too so first up we have a signed Lamar Jackson Ravens jersey. The black one, too. That's a nice one. And the black one. Former NFL MVP. The best Ravens jersey. Oh, absolutely. I do love the purple ones just because I'm a huge fan of purple. But but it was just the way he said it. The black one, too. Oh, Jesus. The best Ravens jersey. (laughs) It's it's the best Ravens jersey. And. 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 You're going to have a very fun video introducing <sighs> these as well, coming very soon, from one of our guests on this next week's show. But he's often referred to as Daddy. And we're not talking about Mike. Josh Allen signed Ooh. Buffalo Bills jersey. Oh, dang. These are up for grabs. You can go to womenoffantasyfootball.com, click on the graphic that says win me, and it'll take you to the raffle site where $5, that's it, $5 buys you a ticket for a chance to win a signed Lamar Jackson Ravens jersey and or a Josh Allen signed Buffalo Bills jersey. Is Josh Allen's wife aware of the jersey raffle that is happening i can neither neither confirm nor deny okay (laughs) yes just checking just want to make sure that victoria doesn't miss out on that (laughs) i like how you started with josh allen's wife and then you're like victoria yeah well i mean just in case she's very well aware of this raffle yeah just just in case people weren't aware of victoria and knowing that that is why josh allen is known as daddy um just wanted to we don't need to get into people's personal lives joe just want to do a full circle that was all so So josh mentioned that our announcement video you may have seen the last couple or so um she's a name that you might recognize her on twitter um but it's the most interesting name and i feel like i need to ask her about it next week it's the one and only cooter doodle um, you have seen her with her, um, her, was it a one minute podcast? Yeah, petite right? pods. Yes. Petite pods. That's what it is. I was like, it's, it was there. Um, petite pods or watching her s- playing video games on Twitch. Um, or fun fact, she runs the Matthew Berry fantasy life, uh, social media, Matthew Berry, the same Matthew Berry from Stefania Bell that she name dropped earlier. One oh, that's and who, that's who Matthew was. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I, sure. I, I wasn't sure if you knew that, but yeah. Okay. I um, just thought I'd let you all know. 
And then our final guest of our Women of Fantasy Football shows in 2021 is Renee Miller, who is a writer with The Athletic and NBC Sports Edge. And she's also a neuroscientist at the University of Rochester. So it'll be interesting to talk to her about head injuries and how all of that comes into play. So I'm excited for that. So excited for next week. Mm -hmm. I'm excited and sad. Because it's it's the last one this year. Yeah, but then we get to look forward to doing this all over again in 2022. This is true. Yeah. This is true. Always, always looking forward. Lauren, Lauren I, love I miss you. you. Miss you. <laughs> <laughs> we have the same thought there, Faith. I like it. <laughs> I was I was more focused on Josh looking forward with just one eye coming out of his forehead. So that's his foresight, not his eyes. It's his, it's his third eye. It's his third eye. It's, it's, it's blind right now. Yeah, foresight. So I'm glad Josh is looking ahead with his forehead. Or he's a unicorn. Yeah, the yeah, the <laughs> unicorn. Yeah. It's okay. I'm proud proud of you. Proud of you, Josh. All right. I'm proud of all of us for making this happen. So. I know. This is great. On behalf of myself, Faith, which is at FF underscore leap of faith. This one over here, Joshua Hudson at the one Hudsonian. She this one over here, point. Joe Zolo at Joe underscore Zolo. And our missing co-host, uh, Stepmom Lauren at Stepmom Lauren. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, Stefania and Laura were amazing. And I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the night because that was the highlight of my day. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Toodles.